Well, it's 34, but it just seems like 52 to Darla. But uh, just saying, you know, and, you know God, God's doing so many great things, and he's brought so many lives together. But one of the coolest things that he does is when he steps into our life. You know, when we open the door and allow God to step into our life. You know, Jesus came, according to John 10, Jesus came that we might have and enjoy life. I think it's kind of sad how many people, uh, you know, they, 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 you know, they kind of connect to church. They connect, you know, they kind of, you know, we make an attempt to connect to God, but we still, we don't have real life yet. You know, we're, we're, we are, we're, we're born again. I don't, you know, we could, we could debate and argue and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that eternal life doesn't start when you're dead. It starts when you're born again. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. That word is zoe, Z-O-E. It's God life, life like God has it. More life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. It's not the absence of death. It's just you have more life than death. But too many of us, you know, end up living a life that's still separated from that kind of life. You know, have you ever, have you ever really thought about what it takes to disrupt your experience, your journey, your walk with God. You know, sometimes it don't take much. Well, how, how come, how come a bad day at the job, you know, has you reverting back to the old nature? Well, it's because we, we're not, we're not consciously pressing in to the new nature and to the new man, the new life that we have through Christ. And we, we need to be alert and just go for it, man. I'm, I promise you that if you will go after the life that Jesus is introduced us to, it'll change everything. I'm not telling you you're never going to have another bad day. I'm telling you bad days will never dictate your emotion level again, right? Because you, you can learn, you can learn to be led by the spirit instead of living life led by the flesh. You know, we're a three-part being. We are a spirit. You are a spirit. Look at somebody tell them you are a spirit. Now, you came right out of God himself and, and God is a spirit and you're a spirit, but you, you, you know, you, you have a soul and you live in a body and that soul, and that's the way you think and the way you feel, the way you make your choices. And, and that was corrupted by sin and we're still needing to renew our minds. Somebody say, mm-hmm, you know, cause it, that just shows up from time to time and you, you just gotta, you gotta be alert. You gotta be aware. You gotta, you gotta take heed to thyself. It's what the King James Bible says. Take heed to thyself. You know, walk a life worthy of everything that Christ has done. Let's live this God life thing. And we got we, we to gotta bring that body into subjection. Quit letting the flesh rule. Right? But the good news is, is that if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to experience life. Real life. If you are in Christ, that old, that old nature, it's lost its control. It's no longer in authority. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That old guy's gone. You, 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 you are brand new. You ain't sort of saved. You're saved. You know, quit letting the enemy mess with you and tell you what a, what a loser you are and about all the mistakes you've made. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Okay, we've all done that. You know, we've all, we've all thought the wrong thought. We've all said the wrong word. We've all made the wrong choice. Everybody's done that. But the, uh, the Bible also says, though, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
That's that God life. That's a gift. A gift is something that's given to somebody who's done nothing to deserve it. So in other words, it's not bad things that separate you from it, and it's not good things that connect you to it. You know, maybe we need to just rest on that for just a minute. That it, You can try as hard as you want to do good. And I, I think we ought to be doing good. I think we ought to be living good lives. Jesus, who was empowered of the Holy Ghost, filled with power, went about doing good and healing all manners of sickness and disease. You know, we, we're supposed to be doing good. We, we were created for good works. We are his handiwork, his his. His, you know, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we might do the good works which he prearranged and made ready for us so we could take the path, the good path, living the great life that he made ready in advance for us to live. You know, so it, obviously we're supposed to be doing good, but doing good isn't going to earn you what God wants to give you. Hello, somebody. You know, uh, uh, if you're in Christ... All that, all that old nature, that old mentality, that old mindset's passed away, and behold, all things are new. You need to get up every day and make a declaration and tell yourself, hey, I am new. Yeah, but do you know what you did? You can say, well, that was the old guy. That wasn't me. And I know what you're thinking. It was in the parking lot. That's the old guy trying to show up. And you get to demonstrate Satan's defeat by, by saying, you know what, uh, when the enemy reminds you of your mistakes, you know, be grateful for that. Because the Bible says that, I think it's First John, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't have to walk under the power of shame and guilt anymore because of the blood of Jesus. I have been washed in that blood and I am justified, justified. I am redeemed. I've been reconciled to God. I am sanctified. I am righteous. I'm not kind of righteous. You're not, you're, you're not sort of righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? That means you, you have the same level of righteousness that God has. You, you, you're not growing in righteousness. You are righteous. Right? You know, it's like Darla telling uh, Craig, she's sort of married. No, she's married. And, well, I don't feel married. He'll remind her, she's married. And when they don't act married, don't change it. They're married. You either married or you ain't. Right? You're either righteous or you ain't. Well, if you're in Christ, you are. Yeah, but I live this way. Yeah, but now you are new in Christ. You know, you used to be a sinner, but now you are saved. Now you're justified. Now you've been made holy. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me, I'm holy. <laughs> I think that we, we, we act like uh, our actions determine that. Listen, God didn't institute the church for a behavior modification program. We're trying to act different without becoming different. And what we need to do is just accept the fact that I am different and start, you know, what, what you have to do is you have to think like God thinks so that you can see like God sees. Because the way you think determines the way you see. So if you're thinking wrong, you're going to see wrong. And by the way, if you see wrong, you're going to live wrong. But if you're thinking right, all of a sudden you begin to see things right. Come on, you, you've had situations with people and, and uh, something was said or something was done and they, and they got all fuzzed up like a cat. 
you know, and you're standing there thinking, what in the world, what, what just happened? You can't even figure it out. How, how come they reacted to that in that manner? Well, because they were thinking wrong about what just occurred. And because they're thinking wrong, then they see it wrong. And since they see it wrong, then they start acting wrong, right? And you know that what, what they heard is not what you said. And often, think about it this way, often in situations where it's somebody else and you and another person and you both heard the same thing, but you're both reacting totally differently. It's because you're thinking differently. And what God's saying is, I want you to begin to think like I think so that you can see what I see. Then you'll begin to act like I act. And it'll change everything. Because, see, you're, 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 you're not working to, to get something. You're working out of something you've already received. You, you're not fighting to get victory. You're fighting from a victory, which gives you a totally different perspective. And you, and you get to demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of your life. You get to live a life that humiliates hell because he begins to lose his grip that he used to have on you. Hello, somebody. And you, begin to, you, 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 get, you get to live in freedom. And let me tell you, that that's how you honor the blood that was shed for you. Hello, somebody. L- listen to this, Ephesians 2.13. says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You used to be separated from God. There was, no, there, there was no God connect. There was no spirit on your life, right? Be, be, because, because of sin, and the spirit isn't going to dwell in that atmosphere, and, and, and the spirit separated from you. But, but now, everybody say, but now. Oh, say it with passion. Say, but now. I'm in Christ. You know, here's the deal is I, I'm not separated from any anymore. I am in Christ. I'm new. And now I used to live separated from God, but now, man, I'm near to God by the blood of Jesus. Think about it. Through justification, you used to stand, you know, accused in front of God, but now it's just as if you never sinned. It's just as if you never disobeyed. But now, man, I'll tell you, you want a but now moment. I've been justified. And the enemy will, will, will he'll accuse you. He'll, he'll, you know, that's his job. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he'll make accusation. But all you got to do is say, but now I am justified. You know, in forgiveness, you used to stand before God with this incredible debt you couldn't pay. But now you're a joint heir with Christ Jesus and the debt has been paid. You know, in adoption, you used to stand before God as a stranger, but now I am a child of God. You know, in reconciliation, you used to stand before God as an enemy, but now I am the friend of God. I got news for you. I don't know who all your friends are, but I'll tell you who your best friend is. But now I am a friend of God. Hello, somebody. He, he, was, he was delivered up because of my offense, but he was raised up because of my justification. You know, Christ couldn't even be raised from the dead until justification had been handled. That's in the Bible, by the way. That's Romans 4.25. Did I give you that one? Romans 4.25. He was delivered up because of our offense, and he was raised up because of our justification. Yeah, he went to the cross because we had a problem, but he was raised because the problem was solved. Oh, come on, somebody. That, that, that'll just, like, preach all day long here in a minute. You'll have a white hanky, but we'll run around the room if we're not careful. 
You want to really control yourself right now. Because he, he couldn't have been raised from the dead had justification not been handled already. It's not something that's going to happen. It's something that did happen. And when you accept it, all of a sudden, it is just as if there had never been a problem in the first place. You are now in right standing with God. How did I get there? By the blood of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, the enemy doesn't want you to know anything about the blood. He doesn't want you to, to, to understand the power of the blood. He wants you to think the blood is icky, the blood is gross, the blood is messy, stay away from the blood. And what you want to do is like get bathed in it every day. You, 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 wanna, you just want to walk around with a bucket of blood and just, you know, put it on everything you got. Why? Because it, it's, it sets you apart. You know, some, it, it's, it consecrates you. You know, so many of us are thinking about all the great things that we want to do for God, and that's awesome, but have you ever stopped to realize that God actually wants to do great things for you? And what he wants from you is consecration. He, he, just, he just wants you to, to accept what he's done and, 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 and just set yourself apart and then simply just do what he's asking you to do. Just live, live the life, the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for you to live. And all of a sudden, all the stuff that used to hang on you starts losing its grip on you because it can't compete with the blood. Hello, somebody. I said it can't compete with the blood. But we, we get all caught up, you know, and our minds get, you know, stuck on issues and stuff. And we start looking at all the stuff that, you know, oh, that was taken away from me. Look at what I've lost. Look, look at, you know, and, and, and I mean, isn't it weird that before you're saved, he's telling you everything you're going to lose. If you, if you surrender your life to Jesus, you're going to lose all this stuff. And after you're saved, he starts pointing out just things that happen. And we, we look at, and we keep looking at loss. What is wrong with us? Have you noticed what you've gained? You, you know, I'm telling you, what, what you think is the death of a thing is usually the birthing place of a new thing. You know, uh, all through the book, it tells us that God's desire is to do a new thing. Uh, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, it says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Have you ever thought about that last part? It's going to spring forth now. Shall you not know it? God's going to do some new stuff, and there's a good chance you won't even recognize it. Why? Because of that old nature that was corrupted, that's still living in a carnal realm, that's trying to dictate your heart and your mind and your thoughts and your emotions and get you to look the, at the wrong perspective. It, there is a principle that we need to embrace that God is, it, it, you know what? God is going to do some new things, which means some old things probably going to die. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new thing come. Well, the enemy sees you moving towards that, so he starts having you rivet your attention on the stuff that's passed away. Because if you're looking at that, you won't see the new thing that's just been birthed in your life. Let, let, let's look at uh, Hebrews 10. Look at verse 9 for a minute. Uh, we'll read 9 and 10, then back up to 9. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he might establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. It's done once. You know, the priest used to go in every year. Jesus went in once. You know, they used to sprinkle blood every year. Jesus just went in once for all. It's done. 
Hello? Because of the blood that was shed there, we have been sanctified. Amen. Look at verse 9 again. He said, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. There's a principle that, you, that I just want to share with you real quick this morning that you can just maybe get a revelation of because so many times we're so focused on what we're losing that we miss what's being birthed. And we end up walking away from new things that God's doing without really seeing them developed and progress and produce in our life. And, you know, and the thing that you have to understand, it really is kind of liberated. It's not a put down. When, when God said in Isaiah, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, for my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my ways are higher. It's not a put down. It's an invitation up. And he's saying, what I want you to do is get up here and, and live this life, but you're going to have this God life, but you're going to have to, you're going to, have to think God thoughts. You know, you're going to have to let me teach you how to think. That's why in, uh, you know, uh, what is that, Romans 12? Is it Romans 12 that says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a holy sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is the least that you can do. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, one translation says, be transformed by God. God will change in, uh, entirely change the way you think. What we have to do is we, we have to change the way we think. We have to understand that God's will is good. Man, we got to prove to ourselves, you you know, that all things work together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Well, 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 let me tell you why it's important to know that so that you won't just look at everything that's going on and cave in and give up and quit in the middle of everything that you'll realize that he declared the end at the beginning and somewhere in in the middle, you you ought not move away from that. You need to know that all things are working together for my good. How am I going to know that? Well, I'm going to start thinking like God thinks. Hello, somebody, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to quit thinking I'm losing because I can't lose because my final outcome is always better than my current condition. I'm telling you that if you just keep walking with God, keep trusting God, keep believing God, that your final outcome is going to be better than your current condition. I don't care how bad it is or how good it is. It's going to get gooder. Why? Because that's how God works. His, his plan is to prosper you, to increase you, to give you hope, not to destroy hope, but to give you hope, to give you a future, not to undermine your future, but to build your future. God's for you, not against you. He ain't trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. And what's funny is little Christians all over the place are going through, a, you, know, you know, we are such sissies. Man, you know, this world that we live, you know, we, we, we have a first world experience. And, and, you know, we have everything and tons of it. You, you know, people in a third world country look at us and, you know, we're billionaires in there in, to them. And, and, and you, know, uh, you know, people, you know, the people that the promises were made to, if you think about it, the people that the promises of God were made to, oh, let's see, they, they were hung on trees upside down. They were skinned alive. They were stoned. They were boiled in oil. Yeah, but did you see the way that guy looked at me? We're, what, a, what a bunch of girly boys. You know, we, we need to get a backbone, realize that, you know what? God's plan's always going to work out for my best. And I got, I got to keep thinking like he thinks. And he takes away the first that he might establish the second. There's something better coming. I said there's something better coming. If I feel like something's getting ripped from my grip, there's something better coming. And I'm going to try to think like God thinks instead of thinking like carnal nature. Because carnal nature sees something go away and it wants to sit down and cave in and throw a pity party and tell the whole world about it. Isn't it crazy how fast bad news spreads? And come on, you and I, we're just as guilty as everybody else. We see, we, you know, you, you never drive down the highway, call all your friends, tell them how smooth the traffic is. <laughs> Man, let, let it slow down. You're taking pictures and Instagram it everywhere. The whole world knows. 
Hello, somebody. You, you look at your neighbor and say, it's time to think like God thinks. Check this out. I just want to read a little bit from Genesis, the first book of Moses, okay? This is the history of creation. Start at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that now dwells in you, was hovering over the face of the water. Same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead was hovering. That Spirit is now upon you. Let me tell you why it's on you, because the blood has cleansed you, and now the Spirit's reunited with you. Thank God for his Spirit in your life. And then God said, let there be light, verse 3, and guess what? The lights came on. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Verse 5, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And I've been talking about this a little bit, but I just want to remind you that uh, God called the light day and the darkness he called that night. And then the evening and the morning were the first day. If we talk to anybody we want, even us, we, we describe a day that it starts in the morning and it ends at night. But God said that the day, the evening and the morning were the first day. Look at Genesis 1.8. God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Verses 13, verses 19, 23, 31, he keeps saying it. So the evening and the morning were the second day. It's just liberating to me to know that because sometimes I think like I think. But it's liberating to know God don't think like I think. That what I think is over, he think is just getting started. That when I think it's dead, he's thinking I'm going to breathe life. That when I think I've lost, he says, man, we haven't even started yet. Hello, somebody. You know, there's people in the room. Just keep looking straight forward now. There, <laughs> there's people in the room that, that you're, you're, a little, you're a little down. You might be depressed. You might be, you know, uh, discouraged because of what you've seen removed. But you've got to remember the principle that God takes away the first to establish the second. That there's something good coming your way because all things work together for good. Not some things, all things. Well, there ain't no way God could turn this to good. Watch him. Man, you know, hey, I don't get it. I, I, can't, I can't explain it to you, communicate it in a way that you go, Oh, there it is. But I can tell you this much, that what the enemy intended for evil, God will turn it and use it for good. Yeah. Why? Because you're his child. You're not far from God. You've been brought near to God by the blood of the Lamb. Because of the blood of Jesus on your life, you're, you're not on your own. You got help. Thank Jesus for the blood. You know, you, you're sanctified, justified, reconciled. You, you are restored, renewed, revived. Why? Because God is going to do good things in your life. Let me just tell you that if God wanted to destroy you, you'd be a greasy spot on the carpet. We wouldn't even be able to tell which one you work. There's so many of them. What's up with that? Well, God's just working good in your life. He's got good things for you. I said he's got good things for you. What we need to do is just say, you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to allow the new thing to come. 
It's crazy how, how, how the, you know, it's, man, it ain't some mean devil that's keeping good stuff from happening. It's stupid thinking going on in my head. It's me connecting to a mindset, a belief system that has been removed. Romans 8, 1. Let's read real quick. Romans 8, 1. We're going to read a little bit. There is therefore now no condemnation, no, 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 no judgment of guilty left for those who are in Christ, who don't walk according to the flesh. If you walk according to the flesh, you, you know, uh, you can have that way if you want it. But it really ain't got nothing on you if you live according to the Spirit. Look at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. The, 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 the law, quit trying to let the world convince you that you're free from the law. There's 1,050 commandments in the New Testament alone. If you're free from the law, what are you going to do with his commandments? You don't want to be free from the law. Because the law of the spirit is life. You kind of want that happening. Right? Matter of fact, how do I know if I'm being spirit-led? Is it producing life? Because it's a law. Let me tell you the difference between a law and a rule. You can break a rule. You might even get away with it if you don't get caught. But you can't break a law. You know, law of gravity, you, that don't work sometimes. Well, I, I, I think I can get away with breaking it. Well, get on the roof. I want to see this. However, you know, it's, it's still a law, right? The, the, the law of sin and death is still a law, but there is a greater law that is not subject. It's a higher law. It's not subject to the lower law. You know, the law of gravity is a law, and, but the law of aerodynamics, if you get in an airplane and fly because of the law of aerodynamics, is a greater law which is not subject to the lower law. That doesn't mean that the law of gravity goes out the window when you're in an airplane. I mean, if you step out of the plane, the law of gravity is now in effect. As long as you stay in the plane, under, operating under the higher law, the lower law doesn't have authority over you. As long as you stay in the law of the spirit of life, then the law of sin and death doesn't have anything on you. But you need to know where you are, and it would help if you knew where you were going. You know, a lot of people, they haven't a clue where they are, and they don't know where they're going. I was reading last week about, it was like over, it might have been like 175 inmates in a, in a high-security prison in Mexico decided they were going to break out, and they started digging tunnels, and they spent months on this project. And they dug down, and they, when they got down far enough that they thought, okay, now let's go that way, and they started digging that way. And, and, and think about it, 175 inmates working together, Wow. And they're, they're going, you know, and, and when they went up and, and, and they, okay, we're out far enough, let's go up. They went up and it was crazy because it was like 10 o'clock on a Monday morning when they finally broke through. And you know where they ended up? They ended up in the courtroom that they were first found guilty in during session. I mean, some folks ain't got a clue where they are and they don't know where they're going. You need to know where you're at and where you're headed or you're still going to live in bondage. Hello, somebody. You know, you, you, need, you need to understand, hey, if I'm in the flesh, I need to get out the flesh and get in the spirit. I need to be led by the spirit. Don't, don't allow some idiot to tell you that being led by the spirit's got something to do with a tambourine and streamers. Let's keep reading. I've only got a minute. 
What the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh, thank you, God, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And for those who live according to the flesh, they set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their mind on the things of the spirit. They think in God thoughts, not carnal thoughts. Look at verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, life, you want to change the way you think. How do I know if I succeeded? It'll begin to change the way you see. Man, if you see things the same way you used to, if you're still fighting to win the same argument, which, by the way, nobody cares about. I know people who spent their entire life Arguing about stuff nobody else cared about. That's not life. Yeah, but back in the day, people did some stuff to me. You're 70. I'd hurry up and get life. Come on, let's go after life. Let's go after life. Why? Because Jesus paid this insane price, He shed His blood. So that you could have life. But you're going to have to participate. You're going to have to embrace. You're going to have to engage. You're going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to receive that life. See, I want to remind you of what Romans 6 says. It says the wages of sin is death. See, if you keep missing the mark, you, it just pays death. It's a spiritual law. You're not going to break it. But the gift of God... It's eternal life. It's a gift. You're not going to work to get it. You just have to decide to receive it because a gift is something that's given to someone who's done nothing to earn it. This morning, I want you to close your book and bow your head for just a minute. And if you're here and I don't know, maybe you've never prayed this prayer. Maybe you've prayed it a hundred times. Here's the question. Are you walking in life? Life. 